Well, nice to see you all today. Nice to be seen by you folks at home. And uh, looking forward to the voice of God being on my voice today, that uh, you'll hear my, hear my words and at the same time hear God's words speaking to you um, as I share today. We've been reading through the Old Testament in a chronological way, not as the books are uh, going through the Old Testament as they're listed in the table of contents, but rather as they happen in history. It's a faith narrative, and it's testimonies of the action of God, the activity of God, the goodness of God, that were from the people that experienced that in their present reality. And as we see and celebrate what God did in their lives, we are infused with inspiration in our hearts. Our hearts are warmed, our spirits are quickened, our hope is refreshed and restored and renewed to have faith in our faithful God. And we're in chapter 17 of the story and it concludes the time of the kings. Uh, it's a sad end. There was 38 kings, only five of them served God over the course of 400 years. And yet and yet, the faithfulness of God is such that there were five kings that served God during that time. And they inspired the rest of the people of God to serve God during, during the times of their reign. And in the midst of the in the midst of this last section that we read, five minutes a day in chapter 17 of the, of the story, we see a lot of God's judgment. We see, we've seen uh, Israel, which is the 10 tribes in the Northern Kingdom, in 722 be taken into captivity into Assyria, and then about 140 years later, 586 BC, um, the southern kingdom of Judah, two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, comprise the country of Judah, taken to captivity to Babylon. Sad, but yet laced through this, these words that we'll read in, in uh, Second Kings and Second Chronicles and in the prophet Jeremiah and in the prophet Ezekiel. Jeremiah and Ezekiel prophesied during these times. We see it laced with supernatural hope, encouragement, and the activity of God. God's um, basically got our backs. He's saying he is, things are going to be okay, and the favor of God is on us. The title of the message today is God is always ready to free what God is what God is always ready to freely give us. And I to pray. Put your hand on your heart for a moment. Father, we thank you that you are all ready to freely give us some amazing things. Always ready, even as expressed here in the midst of the most troubling times. You are there and you are ready to freely give to us amazing blessings. God, we want to pray and think of the church throughout America and all of America in this hour and in these days. 
We declare, you know the nuances of, of what is needed, God. We just know that the, in the book of James, you say, whoever's in trouble, let them pray. And there's trouble in America. We want to say, help us, God. As your dear ch children, help us and help our land to be restored, to renewed in righteousness, justice, truth, and fairness, doing what is right and just and fair. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask your blessing on your words today. Amen. What God is always ready to freely give us, expressed in five brief cameos, five pictures in the reading that we read. Number one, God is always ready to freely give to us a fresh start. His mercies are new every morning. Are you glad that you got a fresh start with God? Yeah. I'm glad I got a fresh start with God. I'm glad you got a fresh start with God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, we read, Now when he, that is Manasseh, was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed to him. Now what we see with Manasseh is 50 years of wickedness that was even worse than the countries around Israel and Judah. He worshipped idols. He was famous for bloodletting. He, he uh, shed blood. He's a wicked man. And he sacrificed his own sons to Molech in order to get as it were, Molech, the spirit of Molech, Satan, if you will, to do things for him, he gave blood sacrifice of his own children. He's wicked. But look what he did. When he was in, taken prisoner by the king of Babylon, he humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed to him, and God received his entreaty, heard his supplication, brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Now that's what I call mercy. That's what I call forgiveness. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. And that doesn't mean just cognitively or intellectually knew he was God. Remember that the word know in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, means to experience. Manasseh experienced that God, that the Lord was God. In other words, he repented, he got right with God. Now, what I want to tell you today is that sometimes when we think of our worst sins, our biggest regrets, the devil wants to try to get us to not to forgive ourselves when God has forgiven us. And I want to make an appeal today that if God can forgive Manasseh, he can forgive you. <laughs> and he does forgive you. And there is an invitation from this passage to totally forgive yourself I know it's sometimes hard uh, in our evangelism out and about. We run into people from time to time that say, no hope for me. I'm beyond repair. I cannot be forgiven. I've sinned too bad, too much. I'm destined to hell. David ran into someone like that last week, and he said, I 
When he said that, I got excited because people so often come to Christ when I preach the gospel of grace to someone in that sort of revelation of how, what a sad state they're in. And sure enough, that fellow came to Christ last week that was expressing supreme um, despair about his own state. I remember several occasions, I, and on each of these, because there's five little cameos, we're not going to spend much time on each one. But I remember a man at my office door right over there a few years ago. Um, I prayed with him to receive Christ right outside on the sidewalk out there. And uh, he'd stop by the office for some reason. I forget what it was, but I, I, did the, I shared the gospel with him, and he received the gospel. When I got to the part, part where I, we made the declaration, I am forgiven, I said, say this after me, I am forgiven. He, he said, I can't say that. I can't say that. And he started crying like a baby, just bawling like a baby right there in front of God and everybody. And uh, let him cry out a bit. And I said, what's, what, what's wrong? He said, well, my mother, my mother died and it was my fault. And I didn't go into details about what happened to his mom. I just tried to follow what the Spirit was leading me to do. But I assured him. I gave him the assurance. I, I, I could see myself uh, doing this. It's like because I operate in that with this kind of confidence in John 20 where Jesus said, whoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven. There are times when we have the authority and the anointing of the Spirit to look in someone's eyes and say, you are forgiven. I forgive you and God forgives you. Whoever sins we forgive, they're forgiven. So I, I said that to him or something like that in the authority of the Spirit. And he got, his, he got total victory, total assurance, total comfort. And he went on his way rejoicing because that which was plaguing him for spiritually, that was keeping him from God, got, um, you know, he got forgiven and got right with God and was able to forgive himself. So this is real, real important for us, isn't it? Some of us in our, some of us, some of you gals have had abortions. And it's, well, whereas it is true that we make a big deal, rightly so, that abortion is murder, and we want to speak up for the helpless, ones without a voice, but th at the same time, we must never forget that for those that have had abortions, they suffer horribly and have trouble forgiving themselves often. So I want to just declare over you, ladies, if you've had an abortion, you are, you, if you turn to Christ and have asked Jesus to forgive you, you are forgiven. Doesn't mean we're careless at moving forward. Do not have another, ever another abortion, please. It is murder. But at the same time, Manasseh, he was a wicked man, and you didn't have an abortion because you were wicked. You, you were in a situation where it was tough, difficult. You saw it as the only way out. But now you know it was wrong, and God's forgiving you. We, I just say in Jesus' name, God's forgiven you. God wants you to forgive yourself. You have a moral duty to forgive yourself. Amen. <laughs> Number two. God is always ready to freely give to us something else. He's, he's always ready to freely give to us more and more. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. 
He was uh, Manasseh's grandson, king of Judah, eight years old. And I don't know who taught him the Sunday school lessons, but somebody did. Because when he was 26 years old, he said, you know what, my friends? We've got to refresh the temple. It's in disarray. And as he moved in response to whoever taught him about the things of God, that was a first step for him, wasn't it? Someone taught him the things of God. Never minimize your teaching of children. They know God. They're not part of the church of tomorrow only. They're part of the church of today. Manasseh had an experience of God. He got started. And it was like, taste and see that the Lord is good. And the classic example I mentioned last time is, eat one potato chip. Just try to eat one potato chip. See if you can do that. Because we, our appetite is stirred when we eat one potato chip. Our appetite is stirred when we experience anything of the reality of God and his passion, his mercy, his love. Josiah moved into greater depths of experiencing God. I want to restore worship to my Judah. Judah means praise. I want this land, I have a vision for this land being filled with praise. And let's restore the temple, the place of praise. Let's refresh it. And then God gave greater revelation. Grandpa Manasseh had hid money in the temple for his, probably for his own use. The guys that were re refreshing the temple found the money. They had even more money to refresh the temple. Then they found something else. It goes from glory to glory to glory. They found the book of Deuteronomy, scholars tell us. Whoa, this book tells us we need to repent. Young King Josiah said, so if you have found it difficult to read five minutes a day in the story, just remember this. Josiah made everybody in the land stand before him and have the whole book of Deuteronomy read to them in one fell swoop. <laughs> Let's read it. Second Chronicles 34, verse 29. Then the king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites and all the people, great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood in the place and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord, to follow the Lord, to follow the Lord, to follow the Lord. More and more. You may have noticed our sign out front. That's what we're about. We know that we can't just taste a little bit of God. We want more we taste of God, we want more and more. The Bible invites us to it. We enjoy God more and more around New Song Church. We want to share a short video of Pat Daly. Wave at us, Pat, back there. About he got started with an experience of knowing God and loving God more and more. So that's coming. As right I now. look back, I'm thinking about things that gave me meaning in life. And certainly, education was important and getting a job and, you know, having my friends. 
but still something was kind of missing and then aha I know what it is it's the relationship with a girl and so in fact I was engaged and um, that that was that was exciting the day before uh, we were going to go leave and meet our respective parents she got nervous and bolted and that was kind of the the little spark that made me say, well really um, so I just found myself sitting in the chair in my little apartment in Wichita, Kansas. And I just for some reason had been thinking about life and kind of talking to God. Why was I talking to God? I had a couple of cousins that were praying for me and witnessing to me. And I thought, well, you know, it's great for you, but <clears throat> not for me. And then, you know what? I, I realized that all these things, that all these pillars uh, that I stood on to give my life meaning, was gently kind of cut from under me. And then the girl, the girl left. And so everything that I was kind of looking at, I'd done good things, right? I did everything the world told me to do. Get educated, get a job, get a girl, friendships, or all amounted to nothing. And really, I kind of embarrassed to say it, but the last thing standing was God. And I said, you know what? I, I knew at that time, what I subsequently found out was Hebrews 11, 6. Uh, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And so I, I knew that God was there. I was talking to him and I knew that if I let him direct my life, that things would eventually, that, you know, things would have meaning, purpose, make sense. And so without anyone telling me to pray a prayer, I just said, you know what, God, I want you to be in charge of my life and I believe you will be in charge of my life. He gave me my art back. I could play music to him. I could play worship music. I love doing that. The, uh, the job, he's led me now to teach piano, something I enjoy working one-on-one. -on -one. The friendships, hey, I got the family. I got brothers and sisters all over the world. Yeah, the, and the girl, well, Margie, that was, that was a great gift from God. I put my trust in God and uh, it's been a great walk ever since. Emphasizing that last line, it's been a great walk ever since. And that's Pat Daly growing from one a potato chip to the next. <laughs> Tasting and seeing that the Lord is good enjoying God more and more and more and more. Proverbs 4, 18 reads that the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. The path that we're on is lighted, and every step we take to the celestial city on the path of being righteousified, he is building righteousness into us, and every step we take, the light of the path is getting brighter, more glorious, more wonderful. Praise God for that reality. This is something that God is also ready to freely give us. He's ready to freely give us more and more. At the end of this talk, I'm gonna give you a chance to receive Christ as your savior and get started like Pat did with your more and more opportunity in the glory and wonder and beauty abundant life of Jesus.
Thirdly, God is always ready to freely give to us a crystal clear understanding of our personal calling. We all, every single one of us, have a personal calling before God. King Zedekiah had a personal calling, the last king of Judah, the last king mentioned in 2 Kings, but he abandoned God. He, he led Israel farther astray, and one thing that happens is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So one thing that, ha that happens with political leaders like Zedekiah, King Zedekiah, because he abandoned God, he also abandoned common sense. If you ever see common sense abandoned in American politics, it's quite possible that the root problem is abandonment of God in that person's life. Zedekiah, he, he was uh, serving the king of Babylon at this time, and he said, not going to do this anymore. I'm just going to quit doing this. That was a big mistake. Because you have all the power, all the armies of Babylon, and, and Jerusalem had no business. In fact, King Zedekiah asked Jeremiah, the prophet, what to do. Jeremiah said, you need to give up. <laughs> you need to give up, man. <laughs> and Zedekiah said, no way, I'm not going to give up. So he abandoned the prophet, abandoned God, abandoned common sense. And if you read what happened to him tragically, in the story, he, he, uh, the last thing he saw as a young, early 20s king, last thing he saw with his eyes were his, his sons being slaughtered in front of his very eyes, and then they put his eyes out. So they would, he would always know that was the last thing he ever saw. This is, this is a very real tragic. I'm not belaboring that. I'm just saying it, that that when the darkness is dark, the light is really bright. And the, that's one reason why we have great hope for the revival in America. America shall be saved. And that's why we see the brightness of the glory of the promise of God in, in the face of the, uh, in the Second Kings and Chronicles and in uh, what we're reading, what we're emphasizing today. Jeremiah the prophet had an amazing calling experience to his ministry. I don't think that I'm going to read all of it, just part of it, but it'll, it'll express the intimacy between him and God in his calling. Jeremiah 1, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now, this is something you should take seriously, my friends, yourself. Jeremiah is giving his testimony, but it's also your testimony because God's called you to some good stuff. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then I, that is Jeremiah, said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whoever I command you, you shall speak to. Don't be afraid of their faces. So if you ever feel, feel inadequate in the face of your calling, uh, man up and do it anyway. <laughs> For you shall go to whom I send you. Whoever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand 
and touched my mouth. This is an intimate thing between Jeremiah and God. Beautiful. That's you and him too. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. And now Jeremiah prophesied for 50, over 50 years. And do you know how much fruitfulness came from it? In the day? Zero. In the day? Zero. 50 years of ministry, Jeremiah ministered for an audience of one, God. He just ministered to God, an audience of one. Now, we've been hugely blessed by him ever since. But that's later for him. I love his integrity, being willing to minister to an audience of one. And I love what C.S. Lewis said. We ought to play a small part without shame and a large part without pride. One way of knowing what your gifts are is to ask some of your friends. I'll just throw that out there. They will always be faithful to tell you what your best gifts are. And they will always emerge in your heart if you ask five or six of your friends what you think. What do you think my spiritual gifts are, my callings are? They will help clarify for you and be a part of God coming close to you and saying, hey, you can do this. I'm with you. Four, God is always ready to freely give us a generous taste of our own future in glory, which is bliss. The fork with which we eat great portions of God's heavenly glory is praise. 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 Praise in church like we did today so beautifully. Praise in our lifestyles, our lives. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Praise brings the presence of God to us and the blessings of his goodness close to us and makes the problems of this world small and the glories and wonders of Jesus huge in our brains, in our minds, in our spirits, and our souls. Jeremiah wrote this next section that I'm going to read, the little verse, right in the middle of the book of Lamentations. There are six chapters, five chapters in Lamentations. Yeah. And right in the middle, chapter 3, we have Lamentations is all about the depths of sorrow Jeremiah is experiencing when he watches the bloodbath in Jerusalem when it's taken over by the Babylonians in 586, southern kingdom destroyed, taken into captivity. But right in the middle of it, right in the middle, we have a, a section from which we get the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Remember that old hymn? Great is thy faithfulness, O my God, God my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. All I have needed, my, thy hands have provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, to me. It's from this passage at its root. And also the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. That's from this. And it's right in the middle of the worst darkness. All this wonderful praise light. He says in Lamentations 3, verse 21, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Because of his compassions they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance. There's so many hymns and choruses that come from this. 
says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those that wait for him, to the souls that seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the, for the salvation is of the Lord. See, right in the middle of the worst darkness. Hooray for Jesus. That's what Jeremiah is going. Whatever you think about becomes big in your soul. Let praise be what's big in your soul. And the goodness of God will fill your heart and mind. Finally, God is always ready to freely give us his relentless supernatural work in our new regenerated hearts. There's a definition of this called, there's a word that's that theologians use called sanctification, which means, and this is my definition that I came up with from having studied it and love to study this kind of stuff. Sanctification is a supernatural process in a believer's life where they become more and more like Jesus through the relentless, unstoppable, and determined work of the Holy Spirit. We see this in Ezekiel 36, verse 24. For I will take you from among the nations. He's pointing ahead to the new covenant, my friends, New Testament days, prophetically. I will gather you out of all the countries. And it's for Jews and Gentiles alike that put their faith in the Messiah. And I will bring you into your own land. He's talking about the restoration of the kingdom after the exile, but it's also pointing into the New Testament. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. See, they couldn't do it when it was all up to them. But when, this, when the motivations and the stirrings of the spirit of Jesus are in your born-againness, and flowing into your life and your lifestyle, then you have a, a, a causation who is God stirring you to live for him. Cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgment, judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all of your uncleanness. Prophetically. My friends, God is always ready to freely give us his relentless supernatural work in our new regenerated hearts. It behooves us, as the Bible says in Romans 8, it's incumbent upon us to have our minds set not on what the flesh desires, but what the spirit desires. Because the spirit's always working in and through you. He's always desiring certain things in your, in your any given moment. And several times a day, we can say to ourselves, I, and declare to ourselves, I'm setting my mind on what the Spirit desires and move forward in life with resurrection power and optimism, no matter what's going on in the world around us. Amen and amen. amen. Now, my friends, I'll give you a chance to be saved. Let's stand up here in the auditorium today. Very quickly, those of you at home watching this on channel 11 at 11 on Sunday, God wants to give you a fresh start. 
more and more, a clear calling, purpose in life, generous taste of the glories I had and the bliss I had. And he wants to start that relentless work in you, determined work of the Spirit, making you more like the beautiful, like beautiful Jesus. Starts like what happened with Pat Daly, asking Jesus into your heart. Say this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I call upon you to save me right now. I confess you as my Lord. I believe God raised you from the dead. I am saved. I am born again. I am forgiven. I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus Christ in my heart. Put your hands on your hearts, friends. Amen and amen. Fresh start for us. More and more for us. Clarify that calling for each of us. Give us the courage. No more excuses. Our New Year's resolution is we are going after the clarifying of the calling and more and more going after our calling. The generous taste of future joys and delights and a humble, grateful appreciation for your unstoppable, relentless, determined work of your spirit, conforming us from glory to glory into the personality and personal image of our Savior and Lord, our love, our love, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week.